0: Hey everybody, how's it going? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Before we get into the episode, I wanted to take a second to thank our sponsor for the podcast, Houghton Horns. Houghton Horns is a family-owned business in Keller, Texas, with a mission to help provide you with the resources and tools to help make your music making more effective and enjoyable. During COVID 19, Houghton Horns has newly expanded policies that make it easier to purchase and test drive the best equipment during a time when safety and staying home are top priorities. There's a 15 day money back guarantee with free shipping and free returns on new instruments and mouthpieces and multiple easy financing options on all inventory. Terms and conditions apply. If you're interested in trying out an amazing instrument in the selection of brass instruments that they have, now is the time. In addition to the musical instruments they provide, Houghton Horns is committed to creating high-quality music education content to help get great playing and pedagogy videos into the hands of those who need it. Check out HoughtonHorns.com and their YouTube channel, Houghton Horns, for more information. All right, that's enough from me. Let's get into the episode. Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, I am back here with my lovely wife, Kathleen Costello, Uh, We are seven months into this pandemic, and we thought it would be an interesting idea to reflect upon the uh, previous seven months or eight months of our life or however long it's been, Um, especially considering we recorded an episode back in April. Uh, We were one week in, I think, or maybe two weeks into the pandemic, and so uh, a lot of it was fresh and shocking Uh, But we were pandemic newbies, so to speak. And Mm -hmm. so now with a little bit more experience under our belt and actually having lived it, um, I actually thought it would be an interesting idea to just reflect, like I said, reflect with Kathleen upon what it's been like uh, our lives. I just listened to that episode uh, yesterday and... It's just so surreal to go back and listen to the way we were talking back then about what we thought this thing was going to be and what our lives were going to look like and all that because things have turned out to be very different. So first of all, Kathleen, thank you for coming into my office and doing this with me right now.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: So I think we should start with you. Um, What's something that you're going to take away from the pandemic Um, or what's something that you feel that you... um, has become more real to you, I suppose from this time um, of just being sort of sitting in the waiting period.
1: Right. Okay. Well, I'll start with something positive. And I think what has got me thinking about this was when you were listening to the episode the other day, you said, you reminded me that I had said something about how, like, I wonder what the kids will remember from this time. What will they take away from it? And, I had I've had like a couple parent teacher conferences recently, and interestingly, both of them were like, "Okay, this is really more about like you tell me how your child is doing." Because for those of you who don't know out there, our our children have been doing remote this whole time, and this year has been a little different from the end of last year. But the kids have been home with us the whole time, essentially. Um, But I was happy to be able to share with them just how special it's been for me to get to spend so much extra time with them. Like, I mean, more than double the time we would have otherwise, maybe three or even like four times the amount of time that I've gotten to spend with the kids. And also, I think getting to see the way that they learn, you know, to sort of witness the way they process information or how they think about things. Or, or to just see them make progress over the course of month, months. I know you've been like helping Patrick with math and um, just how rewarding it is to see a child absorb information or make progress to the next concept or the next idea. It's been really special for me. I, I never, it's not, it's not something I would have imagined that I would have gotten to experience at all. And so now knowing what it is, I'm super grateful for that.
0: Yeah, I would certainly agree. Um, Sort of the flip side of that is what I feel like one of the biggest challenges that this time has brought for us is um, just balance. You know, I was trying to explain to Patrick the other day you know, you're home all the time and uh, I'm working a lot of the day and you see me working a lot of the day and so. It seems like I'm spending a lot of time doing that, but normally they'd be in school all day long. Patrick is our
1: eight-year-old for anybody who is not aware. I I dropped his name first, but yes, he's our eight-year-old and Alina is our almost 11-year-old. That's true,
0: yeah. And so it's been difficult for me to balance working and spending time with them and feeling, I, I don't know if I feel guilt about it but just trying to figure out what that balance is like. And this is kind of the first thing I wanted to dive into with you is just I've actually learned what boundaries are and what they look like and how unbelievably beneficial being clear about what you are and are not okay with and what you need and how that just helps everybody. Yeah, and so um, I kind of feel like I could say just for myself and then have you go, I, I have found being able to say to the kids, I, I can't entertain you. I can't, like, I have to go do this other thing. I have to record this podcast episode. I have to, you know, work with these clients. I have to make this YouTube video. There's, you know, always something to be done. And so, certainly, it's on me to make sure I'm balancing it correctly. But at times, it's acceptable for me to say, no, not right now. But I feel like anyone who's a parent kind of knows it's really difficult to do, just to say, I know you want to spend time with me, but no. But I also think it teaches them to be slightly more. I'm self-sufficient to recognize that like I'm a human being too. I'm not just like stepdad or Ryan but I'm someone who has things that I'm trying to do and things that I care about and I think it helps us see each other in different lights when we are asking each other to respect each other by being very clear about what that means. What does it mean to be respectful? I don't know if for you what you've sort of taken away about sort of setting boundaries. I know that's something you've thought a lot about even before the pandemic.
1: Yeah, definitely and I think what's made this time unique among many things really you know when we did this that episode like you said back in the spring it almost felt like we were on this sort of like vacation that we're just, just kind of given to us so we were playing like you know like games you know board games with the kids all the time or going on walks every day or you know kind of taking advantage of well let's just we'll do, do these family things you know we're, we're homebound we'll you know watch movies or whatever and as it became clear that we would have to adjust to a new normal or even back then you know so much of our time was taken up with like okay we have to figure out how they're going to learn stuff you know so we spent so much time with them on, on school but then seeing as how things have really not changed that much for us as musicians you know we've had to then like you're saying draw the line of like well that can't go on forever. Like we have to actually and we'll get into this I'm sure like some of the the changes that we've made to pivot I guess and try to diversify our income sources. <laughs> um you know just making it clear to the children that like we we have to do these things or like literally we won't be able to pay the bills and everything will start to fall apart. So yeah, I think out of necessity we've we've learned
0: Yeah, what do you? What's a boundary you feel like you've learned to sort of say? Whether it's related to work or related to um, you've like trying to protect a a period of time or something like that. What's a, a boundary that you maybe were not afraid to set, but like you've have maybe needed but didn't ask for in the past, but maybe now because we've been talking more about what it means to set boundaries, you've said. I'm going to set that boundary. I'm going to say what I need. And like, what do you feel like was the result of sort of stepping out, being brave and saying, I need this from you guys right now? Can you think of any examples of what that looks like?
1: Um, hmm. that's, that was, that's different over this time?
0: I don't know. For an example, I feel like there are days where you're like, I need time to draw.
1: Yeah, true.
0: And so then it's like how do we figure out how to have that happen? Mm-hmm. You're not ridiculous. I just think sometimes I think with boundaries people can feel like they are being ridiculous for asking for things that they need. Yeah. And especially in a family when you are together all the time. It's imperative actually that we do that or else we're just mm-hmm. going to resent each other. And that's I feel like I've had many days, not even that long ago. I I think it was like last Friday. Um the kids were home and they were I think they were going to be with her dad later on in the day so I thought you know what I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and there was some mix up about times and stuff and I ended up spending more of the day with them that I had anticipated doing and so I just didn't get to practice that day and I don't think I got to do like work out or something I think there's a lot of what I wanted to do I didn't get done and I wasn't Resentful in that one moment because I was like, okay, that's a one time thing. But I also can recognize now if I didn't make it clear that I can't do that with them, I would definitely grow to resent them feeling, them taking that much of my time and me not being able to get my stuff done. And the solution is simply to say, I can't do that. I need more of my time back. Can you think of any examples for you that um, you've basically sort of put your foot down? I need more of this. And what the result of that sort of asking for that was?
1: Yeah, I mean I think especially with Patrick, because he's younger, you know, he's not as self sufficient with he figuring out alone time or entertaining himself. So I do feel like there's there have definitely been days where, you know, there's something I know I need to get done. I'm on a deadline or just behind or something and continually needing to tell him to he's not being like rude or misbehaving or anything like that like that's probably why it is a struggle he's just you know hoping somebody will stop and play with him so yeah it can be can be a struggle to really yeah draw the line and say you need to give me you know another hour or another hour and a half and then we can go do this thing or you know, I think we've started threatening with we'll, we'll find something for you yeah, to do. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. lots of chores that could be done. <laughs> that usually works pretty well.
0: <laughs> you know, and this is in a context of setting boundaries with other people, which is huge. I feel I will be much more adept at setting boundaries at work or um in other social situations with things I'm not okay with or things that I want to do. I-, I feel like I will be actually stronger at being able to set a boundary because I've flexed that muscle a little bit. So I guess the reason I wanted to talk about it is it really just took recognizing. I think one of the benefits we've had from setting boundaries is we say, well, if we need this time to do our work, then we just need our children to step up and be more self sufficient. And they have done that. But it came, that came about as a result not of, okay, developmentally. Like our kids are ready for a little bit more of this. Like we've had those talks with the teachers, but it really seemed to come about of like, we just can't actually do everything. Yeah, And we set that, we're like, we need to do this work here. We'll spend this time, but then Mm -hmm. we need you to step up. We need you to be able to make yourself some lunch, be able to, you know, practice piano, do your work on your own for your, and they've totally stepped up. It's actually amazing to see. They have.
1: And like the, the, I was thinking that too, the meal things, like they're on their own for breakfast and lunch now. And that's like, that's very... It's it's so helpful, you yeah. know? I mean, they're eating like
0: like a quesadilla, basically like a tortilla with like one piece of cheese inside of it. So we're not talking about like oh, gourmet is, meals. Yes. Right. But like freeing up that time so that we can continue to do our thing has been incredibly helpful. And I think they also... I don't know if they like it, but I think there's an element of ownership that they have yeah. developed in like who they are mm-hmm. and what they can and what they can't do. And there's their boundaries are now being developed. They recognize my boundaries have extended. I'm capable of more than I thought. Right. So it's just for me, one of the takeaways that I feel like I would have is that. Sort of setting a boundary seems to have this domino effect. You set one here, but then that needs to set up another one, and set up another one, and all of a sudden you have sort of an infrastructure of. Now I, I feel like I fail at this a lot, so I'm not saying it's perfect. You won't just get. I don't think you'll get to a point where you're like, I figured it all out. But to me, it's worth the struggle because I find more harmony
1: right. in
0: the way we are living our life. I find the they understand me what I need. They understand you what you need. And I, I was. Like I said, I just the importance of being able to say, This is what I need, whether it's something you're not okay with or something you may be struggling with. I would love your take on also boundaries personally, like how to set boundaries within yourself to be able to get all the things done. What's that been like for you in the pandemic? That's what I was
1: just thinking was that it requires planning, you know, which I struggle with in a way because. I'm the type of person that once I get going on something, I just want to keep doing that thing. Like, I want to let the momentum carry me through as long as I can get away with doing it. So, if I have, you know, four or five completely different things to do in a day, that like I struggle to create that ending boundary, you know, like the, you know, the end boundary so that then I can go do something else. So, I think transitioning in and out of, and also like tasks that are very, um mentally draining and then balancing that with maybe some lighthouse work and then some more potentially mentally draining work and um, you know, making it to the end of the day where there's a balance in that and then also, I guess, what we would call like self care, you know, like getting in time for exercise, getting enough sleep at night, getting for me, being an introvert, you know, getting some alone time or if not that like just some quiet <laughs> like that's sure. been a real struggle I mean we've got three musicians in the house you know so there's like music going so much the day and then you know the sort of ubiquitous clatter of like the zoom call now that everybody you know you can hear coming out of you know full like voices from the outside entering <laughs> your space and Mitigating and, you know, children having fun, which those sounds are great, you know, laughing and, you know, giggling and all of that. It's wonderful. But um, yeah, just that like actual quiet is sort of hard to come by these days. Yeah.
0: I would totally agree with the, that's one of the things I feel I will take away from this is setting end times because it's just like the work is always there. Like when you were work, working at, from home is much more difficult than I thought it would be. And that again, that the work is always there. Like it's just in the other room. You don't have like a physical separation of I have left work, I'm gonna leave that there. Even like musicians, we go to work, we do our job, and then we come home and we practice. It's like hard to leave it. But here it's like literally everything I'm doing is just in the other room. And so, you know, being able to say what I'm what I'm trying right now is four heavier days. Two lighter days and one day of no work. Mm -hmm. And so trying to figure out all right, what is a heavy day of work? How many hours is that? And then cutting it off and saying, okay, I'm not going to go back to it. You know, like the other night you fell asleep earlier than I did. And I was like, I could go work on a project right now. You know, it was like 1030 at night and it's like probably in the old days I would have done that, but it's like, I actually need to, you know what? I, I will be able to do that in the morning. And so I, I just, yeah, I think that's super important for me now is to recognize that things should have an end time and we should yeah. really try to stick to it to the best of our ability um, Because there's just a lot we have to do, all of us. And again, as you said, some of it is not just work related. We got to fit in those moments of like whether it's quiet, solitude, uh, exercise, sort of growth, personal development in terms of reading or listening to podcasts, whatever that is. Right. But being able to schedule all that in requires us to be pretty, like you said, diligent with our planning. And (laughs) Karen, uh, our career life. I don't know what. How would you describe her? Coach, Our, yeah. Coach. I mean, she does a lot of different things. Consultant. She is a lot of things to me. I think she's like she's a mm-hmm. career coach, but she's a lot of things for me. She's been encouraging me to to plan, and and she's basically said like, for you, leveling up is going to be mastering your schedule. And I've had you know streaks of like I'm going to do the whole week, and then I've you know gone two weeks not scheduling anything, and. It's tough. It's a constant battle for me to be organized, but I will say that the times that I am organized, I am more efficient because I know what thing I'm going to next. I know about how long it's going to take me. I'm just thinking through the process more.
1: Yeah, and this might be a good place to transition to. Um, we wanted to talk about some of these in, new endeavors that we've uh, embarked on as part of this time. So I um, read a couple really Incredibly helpful productivity books this summer. One was called um, The Pomodoro Method, and the other was called Smarter, Faster, Better. And then I went back to a book by Don Green called Fight Your Fear and Win. And I sort of wrote these two blog posts about these books and, um, you know, ba- essentially what we're talking about like s- scheduling time and, and figuring out, you know, <laughs> how to be productive in this, you know, sort of unprecedented time that we live in um and so i decided to use a personal project to lay it out according to what i had learned from these books and it was so so helpful because you know there was a timeline there but i sort of worked backwards from the goal like this is what this is what i want there to be at the end and then i worked backwards and figured out all the things that would have to happen along the way so you kind of you sort of figure out the order, um, not just of importance, but you know when approximately when things have to happen. So that was, I would say, that's like a slightly looser form of scheduling because you're kind of doing it more like, well, within like a two week period, you need to get these these things done. But um, that was, I don't know, I think that really helped me not sort of shut down during that process of. What it was was trying to start this this business essentially, which I've never done anything like that. So, um, anyway. this is
0: specifically for your print shop, right? Right. So, exactly. let's talk about this. I think it's fascinating. Um, you know, you've played clarinet professionally for how many years? Twenty. Yeah, twenty years, and so that is in many ways we all can un- we can all identify with that being our identity. That's the mm-hmm. thing we do. We do it at a very high level. We've specialized in that. But you also, from what I've observed, have a gift for drawing. And something it's something that you love. It gives you peace and satisfaction. It can also bring joy to others. And you decided you were really going to go for it. And so, um, not just in terms of, I mean, you could talk through the process of what it is to set that up, but they could read, people could read the blog post, What I'd like you to go on is like, what is it like emotionally to step into this thing that you love doing, but to take it with as seriously as this other craft you've been doing for 20 years?
1: Yeah. I mean, I would say it's scary, (laughs) you know, to put myself out there in that way and also be like 100% responsible for all of it. That's, I mean, even within music, we don't really have many situations like that. We're like, we're usually working in teams or, you know, and that's not to say, I mean, I definitely have a support system, you know, with this business, but the whole vision of it is mine. You know, every single bit of it is, is mine. So, um, Got a little off track there.
0: Yeah, just the emotional, like you said, it's scary a little bit. Like, is, is yeah, it, what other things are you well, feeling?
1: It's been, it's been incredibly fulfilling as well to see to see something that I've done then essentially become a product. You know, something that that can be put out there and shared. Um, it's been amazing to feel the support and encouragement out coming out there from like friends and family and colleagues and acquaintances and. Um, just to see it you know starting to grow or just to to get the you know feedback and the response for it um,
0: yeah i I'm curious if you want to expand upon uh i mean we were talking about this the other night, so it's a bit of like a insider information question, but uh, this idea of encouragement and when you're starting something new like this and you're, not, you're, you're doing because you believe that you can provide something of value, uh, but obviously other people are involved. Um, receiving encouragement uh, becomes everything, in my opinion. I mean, it's not like it's going to stop you if you don't receive encouragement, but it's so helpful to receive the, that kind of encouragement. What has encouragement looked like for you in the beginning of this and, and, and however many different forms it's taken?
1: Um, I think it's come in, yeah, getting positive feedback. Um, I think it's come from my close circle, just being sort of tireless cheerleaders for me. That's been amazing and not something I've had my whole life. So I've been really grateful for that. But I do think too, I think it's important to remember that, that that can't be the thing, right? Because if you're waiting just for the encouragement that it essentially eventually becomes impossible to measure. You know, like you can't be like, well, I made this many sales and so therefore today was a success or I, you know, got two pieces of positive feedback. You know, I think it has to come from a deeper place of like belief that, you know, the quality is is of what I want it to be you know and and still remembering of course like everything has room for growth and I do want to grow I want you know I want in every way that that would mean I want to continue to grow and I hope to do so um but yeah I do think that it's helpful but it can't be the only thing that keeps you going
0: sure so there's lots of I mean there's a lot of people out there who probably have hobbies that they're very good at Uh, but it's a hobby, right? Something that we don't get paid for. For you, what was the impetus for wanting to take it from sort of a a hobby, almost as if it's like a flow state, like relaxation activity?
1: Meditative, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly, meditative, that's a great word. And uh, to take it into, this is a real thing, I'm going to invest money, I'm going to invest time, I'm going to invest my emotion into it, starting to realize that these commodities are almost more, um, I guess, worth. Something than money, right? Time. If you're going to invest your time into something, like that's almost more than investing money in some ways. So you've invested a lot into this to turn it into a thing. What was the impetus for wanting to take it from a hobby into I want this to be a real thing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think I don't know if I would have done it without the current situation. You know, not because it's not something I wanted to do, but now I know how much time it takes to do it Mm -hmm. and it's a lot. So, you know, with our normal, Orchestra schedule at this time of year, it would have been. I don't want to say it would have been impossible because it's not a good word to be putting out there, but it certainly would have taken longer in terms of months, and uh, maybe I would have needed more help, or I probably either that or I would be totally overwhelmed right now. Um, so yeah, I think it was partly the possibility of making the time right. Like I'm still practicing, but if it were if we had work, I'd probably be practicing more. Obviously, we're not spending that time at work. We're not spending nearly as much time in the car. We're not driving. I'm not driving the kids to and for from school every day. So um, that sort of availability meant that that could be something I could choose to do with that time. And I think too, just to hope that it will be successful and that you know, I don't anticipate that it'll be my only source of income. You know, but if it could be some income. Then that's going to be great because we don't. This is not over yet, and we don't know the ripple effect as we sort of come out of this. And hopefully, a vaccine appears; it's successful. Um, but I do think there's going to be some ripple effects reverberating throughout the um, performing arts community, unfortunately. And I think you would agree that as a family, we're trying to, um, you know invest time in some other areas so that that we have a diversified possibility and obviously you know we've talked about this too like i'm not above going out and getting a whatever job if that's what like needs to happen for our family i'm not, i don't i really don't see myself that way but i think anybody would say if you could choose to make money or you know provide for your family doing something that you love versus something that you're just doing to sort of get by, everybody would choose doing the thing that they love, right? So I guess I'm fortunate in that music isn't the only thing that I love to do, and this presented the possibility to do another thing I love to do and maybe help provide for the family.
0: Yeah, I just feel it's important. to. I'm not trying to paint a picture that's not there, so correct me if I'm wrong. But to me, it sounds like in so many ways, you're saying that your art store or your print shop opened because of the pandemic, not in spite of the pandemic. Like the pandemic presented you with the opportunity you were waiting for. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. is like you said, which is time. And I think that's an interesting thing because we can view this as such a negative and in many ways it's not good in many right. ways it's horrible it's yeah. a horrible thing that's happened but it's presented us with some unique opportunities and we were talking about this in that previous episode we were saying you know I'm going to stream video games or we're going to start gardening or we're going to write down this thing on a on a on a whiteboard and and do these things with the kids that we decided to do as a family and it's interesting because uh, we tried those things and we did those things. Some of those things are still going, but uh, some of that was very theoretical too. It, it, and what I feel, what we s- f- sort of found through living in this space is that I didn't have to do, I didn't have to like stream video games because I had the time. I could like start a coaching business because I had the time. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. I didn't have to do this, not that video streaming video games is superficial, but I could do the thing that I wanted to do. Not the thing that I was always yeah. like hoping or thinking that would right. be fun, kind of fun to do.
1: Exactly, I think. And you and I were in like kind of almost polar opposite states with this, right? Like you were sort of, I mean, kind of almost thinking of it. It's like that's like a thing you do with like extended, unexpected like vacation time, right? Which is a little bit how it felt in the beginning, right? Except I was like more in like panic mode. Like, what if we like like literally can't buy food? You know, <laughs> like that's where my mind was. So, you know, I was. I'd hopefully we'll continue to be like wrong with that particular thing that I was worried about, you know, we're not out like hunting for, you know, deer in the <laughs> in the <laughs> preserve behind the house or anything. Send um, Walter out. Right. Thankfully. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, and, and in some ways like yeah, our goals changed because they had to change, you know, and we just you're, you're right, like at the time we had no idea. I know at the time I was thinking I think already I was doubtful that we would go back to work in the spring, but I think in my mind I had no doubt that we would be back to work in the fall. So, sure. I mean, we just, yeah, we just didn't didn't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, It's it's been an interesting time. Um, this is one of the other things I've been thinking about a lot through this pandemic that I will definitely take away Um, it's not a secret that I'm a man of faith. I've been very open about that. And you know, one of the things the Bible talks about is, is providing and provisions. And I think before the pandemic started, I interpreted that as you will have a good amount of money in savings. You'll never have to worry about money at any point in time. And you'll just like, your life will be awesome. And the pandemic has taught me that that was that's like a fantasy that i wanted to believe because the reality of the situation is like we're not just we're not guaranteed anything right and we're not even guaranteed our jobs you know we so many of us i was telling this to a client so many of us want orchestral jobs not just because of the performing opportunities because it's the this perceived security it brings it's right. like one of the better paychecks you can yeah. get and you have a whole institution that you're working with and like that like right now you know the met is like on unemployment or whatever right so nothing is guaranteed and i realized like if nothing is guaranteed i need to drastically reduce the amount of time i'm considering what does it mean to be provided for. And really what I'm starting to understand is like on any given day if I'm good, that's a good thing. And I can't actually, I mean I you want to try to plan, but I can't worry and and fret about what my life is going to look like 6 months from now because I just don't know. Right. And for me the value in that is you open up an art store or something, right? You don't, you're not thinking, well, what's the most economically viable idea for me to do right now. That's going to make me money right now to provide You're thinking like, what has the chance for me to put quality into the world? And maybe it's not going to make me money right in this moment, but if you have a little bit of savings or like you said, maybe you have to go get another job, you know, to Mm -hmm. pay the bills in the, in the short term, um, but I feel like it does shift. It has shifted my understanding sure. of the work I should be doing right now.
1: Yeah, and I mean we're we're so privileged because we're 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 talking about like you know making budgets month to month and trying to meet like you know praying that will be provided for like month to month. You know that's not week to week or day to day or meal to meal. You know, like to recognize that there are people that you know struggle from meal to meal. Whether they can make it so, I think it's important to make it clear that you know, although this is a you know, I mean, and part of the reason I think you feel that way is because that's your life experience up until this point is not needing, not being forced to think about it in in a different way, right?
0: Yeah, I think what I'm saying, I agree with everything you just said. I don't, I'm not trying to pretend I, I I'm not coming from a place of of just being blessed, you know, like we have a really interesting, awesome, good life. I'm not trying, and there's there's things that are not great, and we you know we have this, we have struggles, just like everybody has struggles. I think what I'm trying, the picture I'm trying to paint is like, you know, if you take money out of the equation, this like I'm actually living the life I want to live right yeah, now. Right. I think that's like what it's taught me. It's like I feel that in the future if i don't have money things are going to be bad and so right now in this moment i'm really stressed out but yeah if you take money out of the equation i i'm like i'm living the exact life i want to live right now and that's like that is like a crazy way of being provided for that i wouldn't have expected sure, you know yeah. and so i mean yeah know. i
1: mean you're talking about quality of life now right yeah. or perceived quality of life and that and it's also okay that if it means something different to you than to somebody else, right? That, you know, if there's aspects of being your own boss or, you know, running your own thing as opposed to being on somebody else's timetable, relying on other people's competency, et cetera, um, you know, I think that's for you, that's part of what that quality sure. of life threshold would mean.
0: Yeah. And I think a lot of it is I've, I believe I've finally, through a number of years of searching, have found ways that I can uniquely serve the community that I'm in. I'm not trying to like say, you know, I'm not trying to like big picture figure out how can how can I do all these crazy, awesome whatever things. It's just like you know, there's some people right in front of me. And like what that—that's what's really the pandemic. There's there's two more things that I feel like the pandemic has has really helped me to see. Is number one, like although things are not great right in front of me, there is still a lot of good. Like there's a lot to say. This is crazy. Who knows what's going to happen? Uh, but I, I do feel that I did. I still have like meaningful relationships with people and I can show up and practice my trumpet and I can make a YouTube video and hope that it's going to give some information to somebody. You know, I have some ways that I feel that I can connect with, like I said, the community of people that I'm involved with in a meaningful way. And if I'm able to do that day to day, I feel like that's kind of what I mean about this being provided for. It's like, maybe I don't need to think, maybe I don't need to worry all of those months in the future about what if I can't do this or what if I can't do that or what if we don't have this? It's like, well, what do I have right now, today? So it's kind of taught me to be a little bit more presently minded, I feel, which is, again, it brings its own set of problems because then I realize how much I'm not balanced in this moment right now between my work and my family and trying to make sure I'm getting everything in. So it brings a whole host of problems.
1: And that sort of speaks to the point that you know we don't always have a vision for we don't always see the whole thing right like sometimes we just see that little bit in front of us we don't see the you know the we don't see the picture yeah. down the road so and and that this time has been a, a like a amazing illustration of that like so many of these ideas we've had have changed and shifted and luckily we've been flexible enough to shift and change with them and that You know, essentially, we we both have set up things that we can do almost exclusively from home, which is amazing. Like, I was thinking about that the other day. Like, literally, I just have to go to the post office and I could probably change that if I needed to, (laughs) you know? Yeah. I mean, it's really incredible that um, we sort of figured out a way that we could pretty much entirely stay home to do these things, you know?
0: And I think that what you were saying about, you know, I don't think we are guaranteed knowing like what's gonna be in the future. We can only see And that's just a, always true. It just feels yeah.
1: more real now, but that's yeah. always true.
0: So I think because we can only see a few steps in front of us, that's kind of hearkening back to the encouragement thing I was on for a second. That to me is why encouragement is so huge. Because because we can only see a few steps in front of us, we're like tentatively, you know, trying to make sure we're at least still putting one foot in front of the other on these things we're unsure if they're what we should be doing or what's the right thing. and then getting encouragement to me is like you're on the right track. Like, are you getting paid a full-time salary to be a coach? No, but are you on the right track? Yes, you know, keep going. like keep doing it, yeah, like keep going right like if you're someone who wants to you know play your instrument at a certain level it's like are you there yet no are you on the right track yes like keep going stay mm-hmm. strong that yeah. kind of idea that's what encouragement means for me now but i had to like start over on something i care very deeply about to really realize how important encouragement is for all i mean for me i'm not i'm only going to speak for myself but i can imagine other people feel similarly that getting an encouraging word from somebody else is like the best thing in the entire world, especially if it comes at a time when they need it. Mm. And so I, I feel that's one thing I've taken out of this is having a stronger desire to be an encourager. Yeah,
1: and we could say, since this is a podcast episode, we could just put that out there. Like maybe that's, you know, especially since there's so much negativity in the world right now, like in the larger global whatever community is maybe that's like a little piece of, I don't know, pay it forward or advice we could put out there. Like if you could just do one thing tomorrow, like find one person to encourage with your words.
0: Yeah. One thing I was doing on social media for a little while, got overwhelming to do it every single time, but I had this idea that it was like, because social media can turn into such a toxic place uh, and it makes me not want to interact with it at all. I thought, you know what I can't control everybody else, but I can control my thing i'm gonna write on I'm gonna write a nice comment on the first ten posts that I see I'm gonna write i'm gonna if it's a video, I'm gonna listen to it I'm gonna comment something you know whether it's ranging from nice to I love the way that you spun this phrase or something mm-hmm. if it's a musician, if it's a picture you know with something goofy to comment on it to interact um you know, it's hard to maintain that mm-hmm. 10 or, or whatever. So maybe I should just say, you know what, every time I open it up, I'll do it on one. But for me, that felt like a really honest and genuine way to like try to be an encourager to interact with social media in a way that it's meant to be used. I don't think anybody started social media sites thinking that we would create all this vitriol and sort of negativity and tribalism, but it has. So I think being able to say, you know what, I can't fix the problem. Whole, holy, but maybe I can, you know, in my corner of the woods, try to do a nice thing. You know, I mm-hmm. feel that's that's a strong desire of mine now that I did not have to the same degree at the beginning of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, do you know what I've started doing? No. So since I have all these note cards now, since I that's another thing that's in my print shop is note cards. I've started writing notes to people and mm. sending them through the mail, and it's been such a nice exercise to sit down for a few minutes and like think about what I'm going to say and actually write it with a pen as opposed to like, you know, sloppily typing it out (laughs) in a text with several dozen mistakes in it or whatever. And, um, yeah. So I think that's a a thing we should revive. We should revive old school note writing and letter writing. My friend Jenny still does that and it's very inspiring. It's always so nice to get a handwritten card with, Yes, updates or your mom, who has such beautiful handwriting. You know, she'll send us cards every once in a while. there's again so encouraging. You right. know, yeah,
0: totally. I mean, and if so, thoughtful. if you're if you're out there listening, you're looking for ideas for note cards, check out Kathleen's print shop. It's pretty awesome, um, and you can buy note cards there and, and send them away to people. Uh, I think the final part of this episode that I wanted to explore with you is I think the number one takeaway is that I just really will aim to not take genuine human in-person connection for granted ever again. Mm. You know, that it's just like, I just never saw that as a possibility that I would just be isolated to my house. And I, here's a funny story for my listeners. If you're interested, because some of you will uh, probably know what this feels like, uh, you know, when we got locked down, it was me, Kathleen, and our two children. So although we are in this house and it's hard for us, we are technically not alone or isolated. Right. And then in August, I went to California for a friend's wedding. It's the first time I traveled. It was the weirdest thing in the entire world being in the world again, going to an airport after being in my house for like 5 months straight almost, and or however many months it would be. And Kathleen went to Pittsburgh to record a uh, CD for her chamber group Ion Sound project. And I got back and I was home for nine days while she was still in Pittsburgh finishing up her recording. So I was actually isolated and alone because, you know, technically speaking, although I did, you're supposed to quarantine and all that. And like the third day I was home, I just was emotional mm-hmm. and I was so upset and I was like, Talking to you, I started crying, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I just miss you. I just mm-hmm. miss human interaction." And I was like, it dawned on me, like I all of a sudden got. That was three days of it, right. and so Imagine like there are people p- obviously people been, out there who have yeah, been alone really for suffering. yeah. Like I mean, at that point in time, especially mm-hmm. maybe things have laxed enough that some people can have gotten you know people hopefully have gotten out at this point, but by then. You know, we were under like lockdown essentially, and it just gave me a look into what it w- what it would be like to not have any human connection. And it's like we are relational beings; we are created to be relational with each other. And I, it was ho- it was it was crazy. And I hope and aim to never take that for granted again. Yeah. And anytime I have the chance now to encourage somebody in person, it will be one of the greatest joys in my life. I feel like,
1: yeah totally and when you see your friends and you can't hug them like that's really weird too yeah. like you realize how you know and again like we're lucky like i can hug you i can hug my kids for people who can't you know don't have somebody to hug like that's like not even having that like basic physical contact you know something like that is is really um that will really wear on you and yeah and some,
0: if you're one of those people. Hang in there. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine what that's like. But um, I feel for you now, even after just a few days. You know, a week, a little over right. a week of being isolated, it it was horrible. So
1: well, and again, back to the encouragement. So, I mean, that's I guess another sort of call to action for you know, just to send a little bit of love out there to somebody who might be lonely. It could mean a lot to them.
0: Yeah. I mean. The assumption is that this will end. The assumption is that we will move through this and what I I know, I I can I know for a fact that I'll be a different human being on the other side of this and I I don't know about better, but I do know different and I do know more thoughtful and more aware and more present which are good things. And you know, it's interesting like I said the most interesting part for me is of listening to our previous episode is just I mean, it's one of the unfortunate realities of having a podcast where I feel I've really tried to just be myself in this, you know what I'm saying? Like, be myself yeah, through sure. the whole process. And so essentially, everybody has caught me in the middle of like the biggest period of growth in my entire life to go from where I was when I interviewed Demandre the very first time to now. And it's just. You know, I can hear in my voice this desire to like help, but to feel like, not like I've got it all figured out, but that it's like, I have something that I could tell you, but just recognizing how much I fail at those things that I was saying <laughs> in that episode myself is just a, it's a sobering, for me, it's very sobering that you you know none of us are going to be good at this none of us are going to be good at this and it's just important in my opinion this is one of the things that i feel like most of the people i've worked with have said is like being kind to yourself is like one of the most important things i think all of us sure. can keep in mind yeah. is like it's it's acceptable to fail at figuring out how to navigate a pandemic like it's acceptable to fail at trying to figure out how to like make a pizza right like there's like Stuff out there that says this is how you make a pizza, you got to do this, cook it for about this long, and we can still fail at doing that. That's even fine. So, like, something is nebulous and is vague about well, how do you move through it as a pandemic. It's like acceptable if you have a bad day, it's acceptable sure. if you don't yeah. get something done or you have a few really good days and then one really bad day. It's all good, it's just like try again tomorrow, you know, yeah. like until we're more or less through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And one thing I would like love to see in the wider world too is just this it would just be nice if we were like weren't as a culture just like always looking for someone to blame for it, you know? Like maybe maybe there are people who have made bad choices and <laughs> <laughs> done some things that could have been done better. Like I'm certainly not saying that's not the case, but um I guess just accepting the reality for for what it is, and how can we, um, like, what steps can we take to, well, be grateful for what we do have, yeah, and then use whatever resources we have left, even if it's just like our our minds, or if you have a strong body, or a will to do something, you know, to work.
0: Yeah, I have a quick story to finish this out. I think it'll sort of tie some of this together. Um, there is a strong man named Brian Shaw. He's four times over the world's strongest man. He is—he's um, got to be like in his mid thirties, which for a strong man athlete is like kind of old, you know. It like wow. lifting, you know, a thousand pounds on deadlifts and stuff like that. It takes its toll on your body. And he's gearing up, you know, he, the world's strongest man just happened, like the, the competition and he was gearing up. I was watching the videos, watching him train. He's super excited. He gets in there. And then he ended up getting fifth place. Okay. Right. But he's doing it in front of everybody. He's like being vulnerable, doing it in front of everybody. And he... He gives this update before the final day. So they go to Florida and they're all tested. And it's like if you test positive, you're just out of the competition. And one okay. guy got tested positive wow. and he was out, right? Okay. And then so everybody else tested negative. I think they have daily tests. Everything's cool. Brian's there like completely isolated. And on the on day four, they test him and he tests positive what? for the coronavirus.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: And then I supposedly they did some stuff. Maybe it was like a false positive or I I don't know. They let him compete. And finish it out. And in that, in what he was sort of updating the people that were watching, with is he basically just said, All I can do is focus on what's right in front of me and what I can control. There you go. And I just, you know, a guy like that talks about this all the time. I've heard him say it all the time is that's probably the best we can do. We have so much un- that's outside of our control right now in the world, in our country, and our, you know, w- even something as simple as, what it is to win an orchestra job or to get a job at teaching at a university or to become a coach or to open up an art store. There's so many unknown variables about what any of that looks like. And so we really have to figure out two things in my opinion. One, why do you wanna do it? Like why is this important? And number two, like what is gonna justify the work for you each day? So not just necessarily what's the big picture why, what do you think it's gonna be, but like what's gonna keep you coming back? And controlling what's right in front of you each day, and so uh, I feel like to end this episode, I would love for you to answer those two questions to the best of your ability. I know I just literally made that up at the top of my head, but <laughs> so like basically, like for you in the art store and and teaching, like what's the big picture? Why you know what what makes you feel like this is what you should be doing with your life?
1: Okay, well. I think with teaching, it's really about sharing and helping and being present with them and hopefully being open to um, being able to perceive and understand what they might need on that particular day.
0: What about the art store?
1: What keeps me coming?
0: It's just like, I mean, we sort of talked about it, but like what is it for you? Like what's the big picture? Why?
1: Yeah. Well. Okay. I mean, this could be really like deep and long discussion. I guess about the importance of like art in general, right? No, like not that. Well, I know, but <laughs> <laughs> and I'm I'm okay. Everybody makes the type of art that they feel called to make or that they desire to make, right? So for me, a lot of it is capturing beauty of the natural world. That's a lot of what um, I seek to do when I draw. And so in that, I think the idea that I can share that beauty on a larger scale now with more people is really appealing to me. The idea that um, a friend of mine from high school that I haven't seen in several years might have one of my note cards and be writing a note to somebody else, um, that makes me happy with that thought and just this idea that you can spread a little bit of beauty or a little bit of joy Around um, that keeps me coming back to it. And, you know, I do. I think people want to memorialize things that are special to them. So, commissions for, you know, portraits of parents or children or some meaningful thing in their lives. It's like, you know, I mean, we can all go to, you know, Target or, you know, World Market or whatever and buy some art that'll probably look okay. It'll look good on our walls, you know. And maybe we'll be on trend. And, but to have something that is incredibly like personal to you that means something specific, or in that case, that you might have the only one um, that's like really special, I guess.
0: So, this is like then the follow up question. And to me, there is a difference here, but it may not seem like it. So, if it doesn't make sense, please go ahead and just say that doesn't make any sense. But, This is sort of the big picture why, right? But like it's sometimes hard to connect the big picture why to the daily grind, if you want to call it that. So let's say you have fewer students, or your students are uh, maybe you have some tough lessons, or maybe some people have bought your artwork in the past, but now you're envisioning a period of time where maybe it's dry. What's going to keep you coming back? Like, what's going to justify the work from the day to day saying, I'm going to keep coming back because what you described was the joy of commission, you know, someone doing a commission. But, like, what if people are not asking for commissions? How are you going to decide that this is the thing you should keep moving forward with and not deciding it's something else?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, well, specifically with the teaching, it's always important to remember that we just don't know. We don't know what thing we might say that might stick with that particular student. And even if they don't end up being a musician or Just something that might have some lasting impact on them. So, I mean, this is like goes back to like words are incredibly powerful, right? So, um, just constantly keeping that in mind that it doesn't, it can't matter what like little bit of progress that I might see with a student from week to week or, you know, even like year to year. It has to be more about like staying in it with them and knowing that you might never. Never understand the impact that you might have had on somebody. That's part of it, right? And I think, too, like, I mean, that would go, that would be true for any, like, part of, like, consuming art, right? Like, we just don't, it's not like this quantifiable, like, we can't put this amount of money or this dollar sign on, like, what type of, like, meaning or joy or um, comfort that might bring to somebody. So you just have to, I think you just have to let it go. You yeah, know, and it's process oriented too, like so for me, the art is like you know, I have to remember that I most of the time, I mean there's always parts of everything that people don't like or don't enjoy, but a lot of it I do enjoy, so that that can be enough, you know,
0: yeah, I think that's a great way to think about it, just sort of continuing to do it because for the chance that it might make a difference, I think yeah. that's such a beautiful way to think about it, yeah. Um, for me, my big picture why is it's just I derive a lot of joy from, like you said, the chance that it might help. Like, and that's not going to mean going back to the encouragement. Um, for me, hearing that someone's like, this class helped me with this or is like that's awesome and like I said it brings me joy but it also is like gratifying in the you know the work was worth it so it kind of serves both of them right so that's kind of not a complete thought because it's not the most important part for me the most important part of like what justifies the work the big picture why and this is like something i would really encourage everybody to to think about is for me it's just the work that's in front of me it's so clear to me that this is the work in front of me and the encouragement for everybody listening is if you have work that is so clearly right in front of you don't give up If there's not work in front of you, that's super clear. Spend some time. Like, think about it, you know? Like what what, you know, what provides you with joy, or the way Kathleen spoke about it? Uh, what do you enjoy? I guess that's the same thing. What do you enjoy doing? What do you feel like uh you could, you know, something that you understand that you could share with somebody else could make a difference? Just this idea, like and, and I, I think it's about purpose. I feel like I've sort of found my purpose through this, and it, it ends up translating into, this is the way I uniquely can serve the world and serve the music community and serve my family and serve those around me, and that's a weird, weird feeling, to be like, I think I've found some of, if not my purpose, mm-hmm. and yeah, so that's like the encouragement is just to like, just to think about that. In what ways can you uniquely serve? And in what ways does it seem like you know what this is the path I should be following, and then to to you know like you were saying, just to put your head down, and do the work um that's i mean it's a long winded way, you know, almost an hour of talking about it. Um, this pandemic has been really interesting for for me, and I know for you, because we have become versions of ourselves that I don't even think we saw. Before the pandemic started, I I started taking discovery calls at the end of April, like about a month after, for my coaching business after the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. So it's like I didn't even consider that being a coach to help people learn how to practice and be a fit or efficient with their organization would be something I would be doing. And now it's like how I see myself, and it's just it's fascinating how seven months is a long time, but it's also an incredibly short amount of time.
1: Yeah. But also that you have to do the thing, yes, to see yourself that way, right? Yeah, and
0: maybe we'll do a a separate episode on just what some of the struggle looks like. I think that would actually be a yeah, that would be a better separate episode than tacking it on here. Just like what what it actually looks like to either start a business or or sort of how to trans what it looks like to transform yourself into someone who can even start having that conversation with yourself. I mean, that's like it's a whole thing for at least it was for me. So do you have any final thoughts? I don't really. I just want to know if, if you had any final I don't thoughts. Oh,
1: there's so many thoughts. And <laughs> <laughs> so many ways you could take a conversation like this. Yeah. But I know we wanted to keep it like, you know, not let it get political or overly negative or anything like that. Just what are the what are the good things that have come? I think we did that. I think we talked about sure. all good things.
0: Yeah, like for me, this episode was just an attempt to share some of the encouraging things that have been happening with us. Some of these sort of important things. I hope it's useful and helpful for anyone listening to sort of reflect upon your own experience in the in the pandemic. And maybe there's some sort of some hidden. I don't want to say benefit, but just something hidden in there that you didn't see, or maybe something to think about in terms of like boundaries, or you know, just like. Letting go of sort of the future result of things and not worrying Mm -hmm. so much about, I need it to be justified, I need to be provided for, but like, what's the right work for me right now? I mean, those are things that I think have defined my, you know, cognitive space for a while now. And it's been uh, very rewarding, I think, to spend some time there. So I think that's where we'll end the episode. If people want to see your artwork, if they want to get in touch with you, if they liked any kind of things that you were saying, where would they do that?
1: I have a website, kathleenbcostello.com. I'm on Instagram. It's the same handle. I'm on Facebook. Uh, Yeah, I'd love to interact with anybody who wants to ask questions about it. I read a blog. Some of this stuff would be in there about what I'm doing and what what the process was. So, yeah, I'd love any kind of interaction. They would love to reach out.
0: If you want to get in touch with me, you can do so. Uh, at that's not spit.com also at that's not spit on facebook and instagram um if you enjoyed the episode if you wouldn't mind leaving a rating and a review on itunes i would really appreciate it that would be awesome and don't forget to share this on social media so other people can find the episode i want to thank brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode of the podcast and most of all i would like to thank you for listening Stay strong, be kind to yourself, never stop growing, and we'll see you next time.